Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing Season 2, Episode 7 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Those Old Scientists. What we do here on this podcast is talk about all things Trek, so thanks for joining us. Like always, I'm your host Clarence, and on this show we have our friends slash Trekkies, starting with none other than guest, uh, writer, all things cool, Mr. Lee Shackbird. How are you doing, man? <laughs> very well, sir. Very well. I might, look at this. You can tell the bridge is a bad a background for me if I can't say live long and prosper without it blurring out. You're dressed apart, sir. You, you shame me. As I came on to the, to the stream to do our little pre-show thing, I was shamed by you and your, you know, your science officer shirt. To your credit, you had a command shirt within <laughs> sufficient reach that you could run and j- jump one on, so... Yeah. Yes, anyway. I'm wearing shorts under this, but the, the up top <laughs> yeah. looks looks That's okay. Right. These are, yeah. I do not have my Enterprise <laughs> pants on. So, so, you so you're going for season one of the Next Generation with the shorts, right? <laughs> oh, my scant. No, I don't <laughs> have the scant on. The, not with the, the kilts, no. <laughs> and that voice you hear there is, of course, Mr. Jones. How you doing, sir? You know what? I'm a little confused as well as feeling deja vu. So. There you go, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, is this, is this this is about Doctor Who, right? I know exactly. That's why I'm confused. It's Kyle, Clarence, and Lee yeah. on Tuesday at seven thirty. <laughs> and to be fair, we are talking about time travel, so and you we, know, okay. well, there, you there go. we go. Take your pick. There you go. And also on the podcast, we have Larry Irby. How you doing, man? I am doing okay. Glad to have you, sir. We'll go ahead and get into our review of Strange New Worlds. Those old scientists. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen TOS, not the series, the Those Old Scientists, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. The spoiler warning has been dropped, and like always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us this week, sir? There is a 50-50 chance that, for me, Crow might be on the menu, but we'll find out. Hmm. Hmm. That's kind of telling. Kind of telling. I might be setting you up, but we'll find out. (laughs) And I'll say real quick, thanks to everyone in the chat. I see Tasha there as well as Wind Grace. Thank you guys for being there. And I'm going to go right to Mr. Mr. Shackford here. Your high-level thoughts of this episode. I, I can't, as a fan of the original series, obviously, I, uh, I can't help thinking about what we now know, thanks to uh, the books, These Are the Voyages, you know, where they went through all the all the inter-office memos and everything, and, and told some stories that we hadn't heard before. But um, one of the stories that we've learned is now uh, now production history is that they talked Gene Roddenberry into taking a vacation. He was working himself to exhaustion in the middle of season two, and they left Gene Kuhn in charge. And when Gene Roddenberry came back, fans of TOS will appreciate this if because you know the titles, he found that Gene Kuhn had greenlit The Trouble with Tribbles, I Mud, and A Piece of the Action. Mm. Mm. Wow. And Gene Roddenberry basically said, I love you. You've made this show what it is and you're fired. Hmm. Wow. And Mm. a lot of us who really appreciate Gene Kuhn's work have said, that is the beginning of the end. You know, (laughs) it's all downhill from here. So 
when you get such a comedic treatment in a show that is supposed to be supposed to be a dramatic show, I I'm feeling Roddenberry's discomfort here. It's like, hey, this is my show. I I think of this very seriously. This is not about tribbles or androids being goofy or or our our heroes playing like they're gangsters. What have you done to my show? (laughs) But Arvos are not three of the most beloved episodes of season two TOS. Definitely. So I think Longview, their gut feelings, they're probably both right. Longview, Gene Coombe is right. So this is very daring. It really breaks the mold of things we've done so far. But my golly, what a lot of fun. What an hour of fun. If you if you know Lower Decks already. If you don't, this could be mystifying. Although I've been seeing people on social media saying, okay, clearly I need to be watching Lower Decks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to run a lot of people over to the other show. Yeah, that, that's a notion I think I can agree with because um – Man, well, I'll let Larry go and I'll give my thoughts, yeah. but but um, agreed. I, I feel like they knocked it out of the park. Uh, Larry, high-level thoughts on this episode, sir? Uh, well, I think I'm up to four times watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, as I, as I said. And I know I've just met Lee, uh, which is good to meet you, finally. <laughs> um, I'm 55 for over a month now. Been watching Trek since I was five years old. So I have a long-standing history. And you're right when you just said a piece of the action is one of my all-time favorite Star Trek episodes. It just is. But this episode, just the comedy, and when Star Trek does comedy and they do it well, it's amazing. And this was a home run. This was a grand slam to me. I watched this and I was a little kid. Instead of being 55, I was five. I just loved it. That's it. Mr. Jones, any additional thoughts? So without getting into the story, let's just think of the concept here. This property successfully took a 2D animated story and in story, in canon, successfully wove together all the elements to where it made sense to go from live action to animation. That in itself to me is freaking awesome. That said, I'm eating crow because I loved Mariner and Balmer in this episode. Yeah. And just to add on to that, after seeing the trailer, I really felt like I was going to like it because in the trailer, it seemed like we'd be getting a more muted version of those characters that we see on Lower Decks. I think maybe that, well, I, I think we did. I think we did. I mean, did that I, that in combination with, with I think, um, excellently, excellently written jokes. I think mm-hmm. the comedy was spot on. Um, you know, you got to give it up to the writers for Strange New Worlds. They did an excellent job. I wonder how much uh, did Mike McMahon play into some of the writing of this episode. But man, the writing is good. The jokes are on point. And, you know, I, we talk about Lord Dixon. We all have, we all, some of us anyway, have issues with it. For me, it's more of the slapsticky stuff that I really can't get on board with. But if it was written this good, I would definitely be on board with, with Lord Dex more. So no hate the Lord Dex to each their <laughs> own. But as Lee stated, this episode went a long way into making me like the characters even more. You know, three seasons in, I had already started to like them even more already. But just seeing 
you know, a slightly, slightly muted version of these characters in live action. I think it 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 warned me over. So let's just get into it. I want to ask about crossovers in general. And Kyle, you mentioned it going from live action. I mean, animated to live action. And we can even think of it in reverse because Lee loves the animated series that was mm-hmm. going from live action to animation. And we're coming right. full circle here a little bit. Um, how do we think they did in the effort to bring <laughs> the very tall uh, Tony Newsom and, and Jack Quaid <laughs> over from the animated versions to, to live action and mm. to see these real at the actual voice actors um, come back and step into these characters roles? Do we think they did a good job in that effort? So first, let me say this could not have been possible had, well, it would have been possible, but I guess it wouldn't have been as easily possible if the actors had not been used somewhat as a template for their characters, because Mm -hmm. you could have had, you know, various act or or you could have had them not looking like themselves, whatever. But I, I do think they did a great job. I didn't really pay attention to how tall they were. I was just enjoying the interaction between them and the other characters and sitting there freaking amazed that I'm actually liking these two characters. <laughs> Even doing funny stuff like riding the whenever he goes in and rides the uh horse thing, you know, the saddle. Yeah. The, the rocket maneuver. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny to me. I mean and Probably in the animated, I would be going like, <laughs> mm. Yeah, how fortunate is it that these two voice actors look enough like those characters? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. They may have been used as reference to some degree in, in making the model sheets for those characters in the first place. But yeah, if if Bart Simpson had gone through the portal, you would have gotten Nancy Cartwright on the other side. <laughs> and we wouldn't have understood what was happening, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah this is always interesting. I think of... Um uh, some of the stuff they've done in the Clone War War stuff in the Star Wars side, mm-hmm. bringing some of those characters to live action. Katie Sackhoff playing her character off the Clone Wars animated series. And right. I even think they did, do, are doing the same thing with Theron. He's the same voice actor from the animated character. How about that? So, yeah. So it's really cool that they can even attempt to do that. And the fact that it was so well done. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I want to get into some of the mannerisms. And maybe you guys <laughs> can speak up on this. Uh, I just laughed so hard. And, and again, things that would have made me angry on Lord Dex, <laughs> I couldn't help but to be in awe of and love it. For instance, Bormler um, fixing the, uh, or being able to track the Orion ship. You know, he's under the, the console and wires everywhere. That scene is directly out of Lord Dex. Directly. Yeah. In his run. You know, different things about the character that they brought over. Um, was it anything about these characters in particular that was brought over from the animated series that really uh, kind of jumped out at you guys? Uh, for me, I, I love uh, Tony Newsom because I used to watch Space Command. And, of course, I watched The yeah. Boys with Jack Quaid. And, of course, we saw him in Hunger Games. Um, I love the fact that Tony and uh, Jack's banter as uh, Beckett, and Boimler was so, was so good. They didn't lose it at all. You know, when they're sitting in there and she's like, look, man, don't ruin this for me or I will kill you. You know, <laughs> that was yeah. still the same as mm-hmm. in the show. And, uh, you know, there's one point where she goes, ah, Boims. And I was like, wow, 
they are hitting it just like mm-hmm. the show. And I always remember when you take a character from animated and bring them to live action, they are not going to be the same. There's a certain, yeah. as you said, you called it them a little bit more muted, but there's a certain point of realism mm-hmm. that you have to bring to it. Same thing when you take a 3D character and make them animated like they mm-hmm. did, we know. And, you know, there's going to be a certain goofiness you can do with those characters that maybe you couldn't do in live action. That's right. They don't have the same amount of stretch and squash. They can't literally move yeah. from place to place in an instant the way they do on lower decks. But um, but I enjoyed the shot of uh, Boimler running down the corridor at oh, one point yeah. to catch up with the Mariner. <laughs> and I thought that, that was as close... <laughs> That was very close yes. to him moving at that impossible speed, like he does. And um, no, I, I agree with Larry a hundred percent. It's um, um, you you can. That's one of the things that I think was wise about using these voice actors, even if even if they had not resembled the characters they play, because clearly they have chemistry that they built up over some time here. And you know, I don't know if they get to play it that way in the studio or not. You know, a lot of voice actors work in isolation, but if um, but if they get to play off each other like that in a in a studio, they just took that in front of the camera, and mm-hmm. it's it's perfect. It really felt to us like a, that's those characters we know them. Yeah, it 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 definitely felt natural. I mean, they mm-hmm. have mentioned that Mike McMahon allows them to do a lot of freestyling improv in their approach to the show, and even mm-hmm. Jonathan Frakes in the Red Room mentioned mentioning uh, liking that approach from from their showrunner so yeah you can see that come through it oozes through in their performances in this episode uh when grace in the chat mentioned mentions mariner hugging her legs and bormler doing the slightly odd hand position position holding was on point yes <laughs> yes jack quaid definitely brought the oddness to the character so lee if we're going to get into the timey-wimey stuff timey-wimey mm-hmm. we're not doing folks um <laughs> you have to say timey-wimey yeah you know it, it comes with the territory yeah. right <laughs> But how do we feel about that in the episode? The the whole excuse for them being 120 years in the past mm-hmm. and maybe even the heartfelt message that, you know, there was a lot of those in this episode. But mm-hmm. the, the message for, for the Orions that Bormler somehow kind of is the reason Tindy is a scientist now because he mm-hmm. was the one who set off the chain of events to make these Orion scientists, you know? So it kind of yeah. blew my brain. It kind of blew my brain. But how did you like time travel in this episode? It's it's always what happens in the time travel stories, right? That there's a point yeah. at which your mind just goes, okay, I can't. <laughs> I can't anymore. <laughs> but, you, you know, you're, you're encouraged to try. And they were warned and they understand. They have a history of what happens when you travel through time that our cast does not. Mm. People in Strange New World don't, right? I mean, there's a part of you that wants to say, hey, why don't you just do the slingshot effect around the sun and you could – Yeah. <laughs> sorry. That hasn't happened yet, has it? <laughs> yep. Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I didn't say that to anybody. Hmm. Um, but as Worf is yeah. my witness, I'm not going to do it. Uh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I, oh, lo- I loved all the slips like that. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, it is. It's one of the things I really admired about it is that it is a very thoughtful script in that perspective. We're having a lot of fun, but we're also treating seriously the fact that they could do real damage to the future, to their own time. And Boimler is a goofball, but he's also a good person. Yes. And he does not want to have something happen that would adversely affect the Orions because he has a personal connection to them. Yeah. And 
And there's a whole planet down there that just lost its shipload of triticale. I love that. Uh, TOS <laughs> shout out there. And that has to be undone. Moving them to another planet is not going to, you know, keep the timeline the way it was. And he knows this is his fault. He's, he, he wants to put everything back the way it was. And, and he knows that one of the ways he can do that is by giving people help that he has from 120 years of advantage. Yes. But he's also not supposed to do that. That's a great moral dilemma to place any character in. I just, I just thought all that was very interesting and very well done, very well handled. Yeah. I love the, the bit of relatability that Lon had from her recent time travel mm-hmm. experience. And, and she's trying to relate to Boimler that, you know, uh, you don't want to do this and do that. <laughs> Remember our directors whenever time travel is in place. But uh, Cal, <laughs> so we know why Spock is a little bit different. He's been going through things this season, of course. <laughs> but of course, Boims thought he broke Spock. <laughs> also, his, rea- his interaction with Spock in this episode. Well, to paint it in a little bit of a broader picture, this goes into what we know about history and our interpretation of history. So his mental mm. image of Spock is this idealized version of Spock. So yes, he is seeing something that's really, really not Spock, but it's just something that they don't talk about. It's not included in the complete history of Spock. You see where I'm coming from? So yeah. any of this that they're seeing, you know, you've got this concept in your mind of who these characters are and you're geeking out about it because i put while i was watching it and i know that these aren't real people per se as characters but i as i was watching them fanboy both characters against all the people that they're meeting i was saying what if you had kyle meet the characters of wilf of donna of Martha, of Sarah Jane. Lord, help me if I would have met Sarah Jane. But imagine, you know, geeking out saying, ooh, 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 d- ooh you were in the library. You, you've been saved or something like, <laughs> you yeah. know where I'm going with would that. Would you be so, able to resist? Would I yeah. be able yeah. to resist? So um, I could definitely understand how he thought he broke it. And I loved the fact, I actually thought it was endearing that he was so upset over the fact of I broke Spock. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much of the future depends on him. So yeah, he did, he does not want to mess with that. Now for me, uh, this starts to get in some of the heartbreak moments of this episode. He goes up to, to Christine Chapel and he pretty much asked her what's going on. And we just have started to see this relationship start to flourish between these guys. And um, he trying to, he kind of gives us some, her some hard news by saying that, you know, the Spock you have with you now, this loving, caring Spock is not how he turns out. So, you know, in that moment, he kind of breaks our heart. So that really, that really got to me. Uh, Larry, hot Spock. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you gotta, you gotta love it, Mariner. Yes. That was what I was going to say. Boimler and uh, Mariner in this episode were us. It was yes. very manna. And I see people all the time who talk about Spock and they'll see a different interpretation like Ethan Peck or Zachary Quinto. And they're like, that's not Spock. Spock didn't do this. And I sometimes go, what? Did you, did you not watch the, the thing? Because <laughs> you would know, you should know this stuff has already happened. 
if you are as into the thing as you say you are. I mean, I loved when he smiled. It was like when Leonard Nimoy is hanging upside down in that tree. Mm-hmm. And Kirk says, remember we talked, and Kirk says, you didn't hear me call for you, Spock? Oh, yeah, I heard you, Jim. I just didn't want to cut back. <laughs> and he's smiling. And it took me to that moment because as a kid, I was kind of freaked. Whoa, Spock mm-hmm. is, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and there were a couple of times, you know, that happened. But that was one of the biggest episodes. So I loved that Mariner, you know, and then we're like, Hot Spock agrees with me. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because <laughs> it, the thing is, when they were us in that moment, because people, our heroes are never going to be like what we think. Mm. And 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 when you meet, if we could go back in time, literally, and mm-hmm. see people who we admire, or I, I've always thought about Martin Luther King. I'm sure that if I hung out with Martin Luther King every day, he's not giving a speech and stuff, and I'd be like. <laughs> And he's like, look, man, you got a dream. He said the thing. He said the thing. He said the thing. <laughs> you know? And yeah, go like, with that. Go and he'd be like, what, what is wrong with this guy? But I love that aspect of it. I love the fact that he was basically like, oh, my God, I messed up Spock. Yeah. Because the historical representation of a person is not really that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a snapshot. Yeah. That's a great observation. It really is. Yeah. And you know, this episode, I knew going in pretty clearly, it's going to be very lighthearted. I do not expect that I'm going to shed a tear before this is over, but (laughs) I I got one. It got me right in the solar plexus and it's about that Boimler's bug-eyed admiration for Spock. And I, I, I know that, that feeling, you know, about other, you know, real people, you know, what it would be like to be ushered into their presence and when Spock gave him the salute as he's about to go through the portal, I thought, mm. wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Boimler doesn't know what to do. <laughs> We're saying peace and long life anyway. <laughs> so, oh, that got me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and of course, they got to do that experiment together, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. You know, even though it kind of felt tragically, but... <laughs> <laughs> trying to make some some heronium, I think is what they were trying to make. So I thought that yeah. was pretty fun. And, and you know, Boehms was Boehms in that moment. I want sure. to talk a little bit about Uhura in this episode. Mm. So uh, Mariner comes back and she does a bit of aggrandizing or, or admiration of Uhura. Of course, they're looking at these figures 120 years in their past and they are seeing these people as legends. But um, I don't know. For me, it seemed like I, I wanted. I don't know if explanation is the word. I don't know if I've ever gotten that much. Now I know Michelle Nichols, the actor, is, is is fabulous. Was fabulous, but I don't know if I've ever got that much aggrandization of that character within the universe mm-hmm. as much. Did did that shock you guys a little bit? That um, that Mariner was was that amped to to speak to Uhura. Mm. Yeah, it feels a little ret, a little retconned, but it makes sense also because she is awesome. Yeah, but, I agree yeah. with Lee. I totally agree yeah. with Lee. I think that that was a little bit of equal measure retcon, mm-hmm. an equal res, a measure of meta, and and an equal measure of storyline because the meta in it, I see that more so as you are playing the character who are 
was by many facets or is not was but is a groundbreaking character in television history Mm -hmm. and you look at it from a woman of color talking about a woman of color that's kind of i just saw it as a reverence thing i will say this i was lucky enough to have that moment in real life Mm -hmm. sitting beside of michelle nichols and getting to meet her she was everything you could want and i you know i was probably like 21 when i met her and got to do, and I can tell you, I was Mariner. I was <laughs> sitting at one point, we're sitting at the table, we're doing security for her at a convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was sitting there going, it's Michelle Nichols. She's right there. And I literally <laughs> had this stupid grin. And my friend said, You're in heaven right now. And I said, Oh, God, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, I am. So That's I same. can honestly can say I had that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and speaking of getting the feels, I mentioned that earlier in the episode. Lee mentioned his moment. Of course, we had the Spock moment of getting the feels. Again, I got a little bit with Uhura, uh, with with the with Mariner and Uhura. But one that really got me that I did not expect was, you know, we almost see a fear, or it comes off as a fear of number one when <laughs> Boims gets mm-hmm. to the future, or gets to the past at first. And, you know, we go through this whole awkward thing of he has a pinup <laughs> in his quarters on his wall. And man, to go from the very first episode well, the first couple episodes of this season, Una almost being kicked out of Starfleet and for her to come full circle circle with the to the stars with great hardship being on a poster for Starfleet recruitment in the future. I just um uh, I said, yay for her. Yay for her. Cause she's been through it. And I wonder, you know, we didn't see any of her in TOS, but I wonder, I wonder, uh, is there a future for this character beyond, um, you know, uh, strange new worlds? What do you guys think? Well, we did see her in TOS, but what? Well, in the cage. I mean, Oh yeah. Well, yeah. The cage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course. Yeah, absolutely. I've always thought that's an interesting character. I thought so in the cage. And so I'm glad that they were, you know, trying to build on that and go forward with it. Yeah, there's nothing she can't do. Um, I'm sure you all got the meta joke there at the end, too, that uh, Ransom approves of the poster. And of course, that's uh, Ransom. That's, oh, yeah. That, that's Rebecca's wife. husband. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, that's a nice little inside joke there. Yeah, yeah. of course he approves of the lady on the poster. So. <laughs> It make you cringe a little bit, but yeah, it makes, yeah. Bit, the meta of it makes sense. <laughs> but still, it's kind of like, hmm. you know, that moment reminded me, and from Star Trek to Doctor Who, it's all related. <laughs> it reminded me of the episode with um, mm-hmm. Van Gogh. Like, oh my God, if you could take someone into the future, and even though Una didn't get to travel to the future, she got to know what she mm. did meant something, just as... You know, the doctor Mm -hmm. and Amy showed Vincent that your work will live on past you and it will inspire. I cried like buckets of tears on that episode, (laughs) by the way. So do we. And this one. Yeah, this one got me like that. In that moment, I literally felt tearing up that she can go. Oh, my God. Something I did matters Mm -hmm. in the future and inspired people. Yeah, God, that would be beautiful. And, and I love the way that she, that Rebecca, the Rebecca, the the way she played that too is that as the character, you know, number one knows that she's not supposed to know that, 
that really yeah. she needs to just distance herself emotionally from having heard that and pretend like she didn't hear it. But she did. And it is going to change her. Yeah. And she just, in that instant of time, she just leans into it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to become the icon of Starfleet. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting now that these other characters are getting a small peek into their future mm-hmm. because, you know, again, my my last, you know, kind of tear shed moment or, you know, you fill it well up a little bit is when you think about what happened to Lee, one of Lee's favorite characters of all time, Pike, in this episode. Mm-hmm. When when Boimler is telling him, hey, he's telling everybody it's his birthday coming up and stay, celebrate with him because you don't know mm-hmm. how many more you have left. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the way they... Uh, pivoted it into not how you're feeling, but how the others are feeling. That that was what stood out to me. That's right. Yes. Because he's got good reason. I mean, he said, you know what? Believe it or not, I know. Mm. And this isn't about that. And they and still, they said still. It's not about you. It's, it's about not about them. you. Yeah. Mm. It's it's always the problem about funerals. It's not for the deceased. You know? Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's for everybody else. <laughs> That's oh my um, god! That's a great comments here in the in the chat. I, yeah, yes, we, I was just yeah, looking at one. So we pick up one. a few here. Mm, so we have one here from. Uh, let's start with Wind Grace, I guess. Here, uh, I was half expecting Una to joke to be. Oh my god! It's the voice of the computer, but it's <laughs> but in a body. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't sound like her. That's so weird. <laughs> we have yeah. Brittany who says that. Uh, they will be at GalaxyCon this year when I, well, that will be at GalaxyCon this year when I meet LeVar Burton. I also met John Delancey, Bill, uh, William Shatner, Jonathan Fricks, and Gates McFadden last year and was a bumbling fool. So, you know, Larry, you're not the only one who, nope. <laughs> who, who shakes in the presence of greatness. Um, and Facebook user here saying that at Astro Perispera moment in the episode was a shed a tear moment. Yeah, it was really yeah. good, you know, really good arc for Una. You know, we had all these small arcs in this episode that's about these lower deckers, but that were really, really had a lot of advancement to these characters. And I I was here for every minute of it. So the good writing goes a long way. Oh, yeah. And that Facebook user is our friend, Alan Seiler. So, ah, hey, Alan. Oh, hey, Alan. <laughs> hey, Alan. Yeah. And speaking of fanboy moments, you know, it, it, it comes full circle. I mean, us being fanboys of star trek we're watching these shows boims and mariner being fanboys of that show in general being fanboys of tricks past and and we get here 120 years in the past and when we go to find this iridium we see that almost everyone on the crew are fanboys of the nx enterprise <laughs> so <laughs> to hear my boy travis mayweather's name mentioned <laughs> oh and Oshisato, yeah that was so good so good, man. I was here for it and loving every moment of it. So, um, yeah, yeah, everybody has their fanboys. I love that. Give, hey, that's you know, when they said, Do we sound like them? Yeah. You do, yeah, yeah. And Spock said, Yeah, it's exhausting, <laughs> you know, and it was so good because, of course, they would look at we know by discovery when they're on the bridge. And she said, this will be the first time we've been to Klingon planet since Archer's Enterprise. Yeah, they do look at everybody on that bridge of that ship, including, you know, Trip and Reed and all of them. Yeah, they got schools and space stations and star systems named mm-hmm. after them, of course. Yeah, yeah I, I was a little surprised by the birthday, though, by, by Pike's birthday. 
uh, I was a little surprised by that one, you know, being a holiday. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> hmm. So does anyone else have any other thoughts on this episode that I have failed to bring up or they'd like to mention before we start to wrap here and give ratings? You can talk about this title sequence. You yes, talk about the- yes, <laughs> yes. That's what I wanted to talk about. Go for it. Uh, th- that first shot of the sort of the lights coming on on the saucer section. I thought, wait a minute. Are they? Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> this is a commitment. They're going to do the whole sequence like this. Oh, yes. right. That's that is an investment. That's incredible. And of course, one of at least two of the shots of the Enterprise have the whatever that thing is that's biting the Cerritos in there. They're opening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's stuck on the Enterprise as as it would be, I guess. Uh, just fantastic. And you know, I, I date myself here, but I was twelve years old when the animated series began. <laughs> I'm like Larry. I started watching Star Trek when I was five, just like you. <laughs> but that's because that's when the series premiered when I was five. <laughs> but um, but I was there, man. But yeah, imagine being a 12-year-old boy and and to know that Star Trek is coming back. Wow. And it's going to be on Saturday morning. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I there's just so much that's so wrong about the animated series. It just doesn't work. And some of it is because it was done so very much on the cheap and so much in a hurry. But the scripts were not. And they're written by our A-level people, people who'd written for the original series. Are just there. Mm-hmm. So that opening title sequence for this just made me think, oh, please, let's just – Keep the voice tracks and everything from the original series, and let's just replace all the animation, and let's just make it look like this. Yeah, because man, wouldn't that be something? That would be that. That was probably until the the new movie, and even more more this show than even J.J. Abrams movies. The you are absolutely rightly the animated series was the most. We got about That's Spock's right. life, mm, about mm. his life on Vulcan, about his relationship with his parents, you know, the episode yeah. where he went back to Yesterday. see his younger self. That's why I love the one when they talked about, she's like, oh, God, you're such a fanboy. I love that one because I remember that episode, like Lee mm-hmm. watching that and being like, Spock yeah. had a pet, really? Oh yeah, the one she said is Mom said right on the original Journey to Babel. Show. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, there's so many great things in in the animated series, and yeah, what if we could? What if it all looked like this opening title sequence? But what? A, I kind of like to know a, a, a cost factor analysis of this. Yeah. This is me being the being the the production geek. How much did it cost to make that title sequence <laughs> for this one episode? I. You know, I'm all there for it. But yeah. Oh, and Windgrace here in the chat is pointing out that Uhura is in command of the Enterprise at one point in the animated series. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, and, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. So in the nice. Lorelei signal. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, um, yeah, I'll never forget that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that opening title sequence, it was I, it was totally worth it. And the tag, of course, too, with our, our cast. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> who are also animated apparently as a result of whatever it is they're drinking. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty cool seeing them in animation at the very end. That was that was that was, that was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to point out here. Oh, this was pretty funny in the episode <laughs> when I forgot who said it, but they said, um, oh. "What's after the dash?" The dash. It, yeah. yeah, that was mm. pretty funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
<clears throat> the boy hey. can't keep his mouth shut, so he just keeps he spilling really things out like that. It might the one that bothered me was him pointing to Ortega and saying, "You're a war hero." I think if it was me, I was thinking, "Hey, that's great." Wait a minute, why? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I thought they were talking about the Klingon War, but yeah, she said she said in one episode, "Yeah, I did that during the yeah. Klingon War." I like the fact in this show where they continuously yeah. touch on that war mm-hmm. affected. You see that with Chapel and Umbanga. You see it with Ortegas. And you see, you, you haven't seen, of course, number one and Pike, as they said, mm-hmm. were away. They established yeah. that in Discovery because in case things went bad, they said we wanted our best yeah. to survive. You know? So, yeah, that's pretty cool, man, that they go, okay. This was not something that just happened. We're not going to mention again. This really had yeah. lasting effects. It's, it on clearly us. cost Embengus something. Oh yeah, we're going to see that. Uh, I think the next I episode. Think, yeah, yeah, I think we got. Yeah, we're going to explore that. So, <sighs> see what that super soldier serum was all about. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're crossing the streams again. <laughs> oh, Wingrace has a, a great comment here. Uh, talking about how uh, Pelly was talking about our heroes or just people trying to do their best. I, I almost like, is, is that somebody's quote that I just don't know? Or was she just making it up for the show? Hmm. Did you, did that relate to anything that you guys know of? Or was that just for the show in the moment? Don't know. Don't know. It's a good observation. It's, yeah. it's really true. Mm. But I'm curious yeah. of this question real quick. Lee, what do you think of Pelia as a character? How do you like her? I, I'm really intrigued. Um, I always enjoy Carol Kane and everything that she's done for years and years and years. And I loved in the previous episode, her being outraged at being called a space hippie, which is a TOS <laughs> shot, of course. And um, the first film that I ever saw her in, she was in fact a hippie. So I just, that just seems like, sure. Um, she's, she's outside of the norms, you know, and Pelia d- doesn't play by the rules and she's learned over the centuries. She doesn't have to. And like you, she says being immortal is, you know, mostly boredom mm. and she's not having it. But uh, you have to admire that unlike Q, she wants to have fun without uh, messing with other people. You know, she's having fun on her own. And um, yeah, Galen says that's Cary Grant. Really? Because I know the last one was because I remember I brought that up because yeah. I looked it up because I didn't know it was Cary Grant. When she said, I pretended to be the person I wanted to be until I became that that person. Yes. Oh, that's right. Me. Or we Galen, you're 100% right. I have, I have, I now remember that that is something that Cary Grant used to say. That's right. That he, he, he made up Cary Grant. Yeah. Hmm. Because he was Archie Leach. (laughs) And he just, yeah. I kept, kept, they all changed yeah. their names back <laughs> in the kept, day. But I kept playing that guy until finally that's who I was, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I have had badges that you can touch and turn on, and Pike's right. Flipping the grid is <laughs> – that's the best part anyway. Oh, <laughs> man. That's what it's all about, you know. Do you know what I would have given for one of those communicators as yes. a kid? Oh, man. Yeah, oh, my yeah God. I got it all now. And, oh, I had this stupid uh, phaser. It was actually a yes. big flashlight. They passed off. I said, okay, that does not look like what's no. on TV. I got it. It's a big flashlight, but it's made like a phaser. And I'm running around the yard <laughs> with this big flashlight that's supposed well, to be a phaser. I had this too. There were several things that were marketed as phasers before <laughs> Paramount realized they 
could actually settle in on making real yeah. uh, <laughs> related merchandise. But that was that flashlight thing was the one that actually looked most like a hand phaser of any of the other things they'd marketed. But you're right. It wasn't anywhere close. It still wasn't close. But I just love the fact anyway. that the two of you know what each other are talking about. That's cool. <laughs> I'm still right. trying to figure out who Carrie the, Granny the, is. The, the, senior, the senior Trekkies. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you had, you to, had be to be there. What's the old saying? You had to be there. It's like getting your Star Trek yes. bridge set. And open it up, my heart sank. And my grandmother, we had to go back to the department store and get me the figures because the figures didn't come in it. So imagine meeting some of these people. I don't know if Lee's met any that I've met, and I yeah. had their action figures. Yeah. That's no, I, I The only member of the original cast that I met was Leonard Nimoy, and that was before before there were any of the action figures. Oh. That's how old I am. <laughs> uh yeah. Oh my god! I met all of them except Leonard mm. and DeForest. D. Kelly didn't really do the the circuit that much. He didn't. Yeah, you 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 would have to have gone way out of your way to to make that work. But uh, yeah, are, are you on the waiting list for the Wan Company's tricorder? <laughs> yeah, I wish I managed to get on that first, but they my, they got held up during the the pandemic, and uh, they say they're getting close because man, I want that tricorder. So <laughs> I'm gonna blow your mind before we get the ratings. <laughs> I'm gonna blow your mind. I have a dear friend of mine, Scott Maynard. He is watching this, and we have been friends since 1987. We have gone to all kinds of Trek conventions. His in his home. You ready to have your mind blown? He has a ton of Star Trek stuff. Some of it actually is from the sets, pieces that he got at auctions. And when you go into his Star Trek set, do you know what doors you have to open to go into his Star Trek <laughs> oh, sci-fi God. area? Oh, the TARDIS. Oh, he has doors to his man cave are the TARDIS. It's the TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, every. I said, I just want to live at your house, Scott. <laughs> and let me guess, he has R2-D2 standing guard, right? Right. <laughs> Across the stream. I, I'm sure he's got one around somewhere. He's, as I said, he's got the phaser. He's got every sonic screwdriver in a case, all the phaser models, Battlestar Galactica we love too, so... <laughs> it's a whole thing. After the snap says, this is a hell of a tangent, which I, yeah, it is. Well, I love that she says, uh, I wonder what mirror universe Pelly is up to. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. That's something to think I about. Wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Oh, and I'll, I'll plug real quick. If you haven't seen the Star Trek toys that made us on Netflix, it mentions a lot of those uh, cash grab toys <laughs> that they had. I think mm-hmm. the most notorious is, is the helmet with the lights on it. That's supposed to be something to do with Spock. It um, says Spock in bold letters, of course. <laughs> that, yeah. So you'll know that's him. We we don't talk about that. <laughs> like the Klingon forehead. We don't talk about it. That's not something we talk about. But that was Leonard's way back into the series, you know, that he was able to say, you know, you. I know you own the the marketing rights to the TV show, but that picture on the box—that's my face. That's me. And in the court of law, that stood up, and they had to pay him for all of that stuff. And he was the only one of the original cast who was able to make that work. Mm, and uh, he wasn't going to do the the movie or Phase Two until that was settled. So mm. 
God bless them. So yeah, the, the, all those stupid toys, they ended up having a purpose. They got Leonard back <laughs> into the franchise <laughs> and got some jingle in his jeans too. So anyway. Guys, let's go ahead and get ratings for this episode, Those Old Scientists. I will start first. I'm going to give this one a 4.9. Uh, hell, I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna give it a five. I really have no qualms with it. I love that the pieces. I'll watch it again and again. Um, it, it's it's one of my favorite Star Trek episodes if I think about it in totality. So, yeah, it's five for me. Uh, Cal, how do you rate this one, sir? You know, I was going to say, as a wise man once said, like I did last night. But since we have <laughs> the wise man with us, I'll let him speak for himself tonight. But that being said. I had nothing bad to say about Lower Decks for an entire episode of Discussing Trek. So for that <laughs> alone, five out of five. But you slipped your dig in anyway, didn't you? No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't because I really enjoyed them. I really That's did. By implication. <laughs> yes. I really did enjoy them. Hands down. I really enjoyed them. Uh, Larry, what do you think, man? Oh, it's a five. It's, it's a no-brainer awesome. five. And Mr. Shackford? If I had been calculating my vote while watching the episode and Spock wished Boimler long life and prosperity, I would have said five out of five. So <laughs> I'm going to say five. Five out of five. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And also, people in the chat, you can chime out and let us know what you think of the episode. We have five out of five from Retney. Would not stop with a five as well. And also Tasha with a five. So it looks like everybody freaking love this episode and again they they tricked us with dropping it on a saturday during the comic gun i mean we're scrambling i'm still trying to get notes for the last review we did <laughs> like what whoa yeah, uh, yeah okay uh we'll get her done <laughs> all right guys and we're going to wrap up there of course if you want to shout out to us you can hit us up at discussing trek on any and all social medias or fans or feedback at discussing trek.com via email I'm going to go around a horn and let the panel give any plugs or anything they want to give or talk about before we wrap this up and get out of here. And I'll start with you, Cal. Anything you want to shout out before we wrap things up? Mm, oh, I don't know. Maybe for anybody that's watching this. Oh, dear. It's Tuesday. I found my recorder. <laughs> <laughs> this is this discussing trick, Cal. Not Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll let that oh, settle. Uh, but, but, but I will plug one thing. Uh, for anyone who is listening that is a fan of Doctor Who, check us out at DiscussingWho.com, where you can hear Lee, Clarence, and I just ramble anytime about everything in time and space. So there you go. Yeah, and, and Cal's going to have us a review of Barbie, because I heard that Shooty Gottwood was, was in Barbie. So he's going to provide us a review of Barbie on the channel, right? Highly recommended, people. Seriously. Yeah. All right, let's let's go to Lee. Any plugs, any shout outs and recommendations for Barbie, maybe? Thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. It is it is what I hoped it would be. It is not a movie about Barbie. Huh. It is a it is a satirical reflection on materialism and the roles of male and men and women in our society. It is a very thoughtful um, and extraordinarily moving movie. It's there's a reason why people are flocking to see it and it's not just because they're taking their little girls to see wow. Big Barbie. It really is a brilliant, brilliant movie. So um yeah. And Shooty Got was in it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and adding to what Lee just said, I saw an article today that Barbie's Monday box office was one of the biggest Monday box offices in history. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not at all surprised. Yeah, I think people are coming out of the theater saying Hey, 
you need to see this movie. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, but yeah, you really need to go see it. So, so my shout out is to the, uh, the blog, uh, psychology today.com where you'll find, um, a, a think piece about Barbie oh. written by my, uh, brilliant wife, Dr. Karen Shaggleford. So just look for, go to psychology today and, um, do the search engine and look for Barbie and see what she has to say about that. It's very, very thoughtful, of course. So I'm, I'm her biggest fan. Karen's not Barbie's. <laughs> anyway. uh, Larry, Larry. <laughs> anything to shout out, sir? I don't really, other than I can't wait to do, uh, the doctor who with you guys. Uh, of course I've been watching who since 1980. And, uh, it's one of my favorite things of all time. Fantastic. Awesome. Yes, indeed. Hey guys, well, we're going to wrap there. Thanks to each and every one of you in the chat for joining and listening. Again, if you can give us a, a like or a subscribe or even sus- subscribe to the podcast feed as well, we'd really appreciate it because we love having your ears and love getting the feedback. So keep it coming. We really appreciate y'all participating in the show. And yeah, we're going to end with that. Thanks, guys. So until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.